the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Seven. Some portions of this program may be pre-recorded. From policy to culture, principles to politics, this is the Seth Leibson Show. Yes, it is, and welcome back. Happy September 1st, 2021, Wednesday. Sometimes I say the day of the week. How many people do you run into in a given day that say, what day is today? Wednesday, September 1st, 2021. It is a delight to welcome back as producer pro tem today, Chris Llewellyn. He is the vice president of Things All Important. To give you an idea, Chris, hi, how are you? Seth, hello, good. How are you? Say portions of this show are pre-recorded. I got to do it, you? Portions of this show are pre-recorded. And people now know among the many kinds of things that you are involved in. You are the VP of Just all things of important. Them. Just one of the awesome ones. It's also possibly true, Chris, that of all the employees here, you and I have known each other the longest. I think that's right. I think, I think if you go back right. to those days when I was producing, uh, co-hosting for Bill Bennett. Yeah, if people don't even remember you came about because you were living here and you were doing the co-hosting for Bill Bennett and needed a studio. On Fridays. On Fridays. Yeah. And it was at, uh, 2 a.m. <laughs> oh, dark 30. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we would meet here at 3 a.m. And So, it, it, to the point is we have a couple employees that have been here a little bit longer than me. But I didn't um, work. Yeah. They didn't work with them. They exactly. didn't work with so me. So you are right about yeah. that. Yeah. You and I have worked Look together. That. Well, it's nice to have you back. Hey, well, portions of the show might be pre-recorded. They so. might be, but they likely but are only pre-recorded if they are audio clips. Also, I have a problem with the word pre-recorded. What's the – is it the vernacular? Yeah. I don't know if there's anything other than recording. But it was pre-recorded. You... It was pre. It's not – Isn't like... all recording pre? Well, uh... mm. now, Work on it. Work on it. The idea of the pre-recording is this happened not live. This is – we're doing space balls. Hence recording. Then Hence live? recording. Soon. We recorded it. Yeah, but People are – okay, <laughs> we'll come back to that. Thank you. We've created an epistemological question, and, and we'll deal with it on the, on the break. That having been said, uh, let, me, let me move to some graver business. There is a lot of grave business before us, starting with saving the republic. The uh, efforts we have to engage in come at us in various, um, various guises, and uh, it's been, I think, a key part of our effort here is to point out where they appear and where they don't. And where they don't. Uh, Dennis Prager likes to talk about most media bias is in what is not printed. And a lot of it is. But a lot of it is in what is printed as well. We, we, we point it out because we want you not subject to propaganda and the coin of the realm. The coin of the realm is what? What do I mean by coin of the realm? I'm talking about the dominant conversation that takes place in any given country. Uh, the coin of the realm is literally the currency in a you know given country or I guess culture if you wanted, if that's your realm. But we've used it as an analogy, if not a synecdoche, to represent 
the zeitgeist. And the zeitgeist pushes against you. The culture pushes against you. And we are here to help show you why they are wrong and you are right. Morality, rightness, justice, truth is not determined by majority vote. And it's not determined by 28-year-olds who have a journalism degree and a byline in a newspaper. It's determined by far greater and more important things than that. And it's amazing to me how many smart 40, 50, 60, 70, and 80-year-olds fall for crud 28-year-old ideologues write with almost no training in anything serious or specific that they're writing about. For example, I'll just give you a for example. If you are reading serious and worrying stories, let's say about COVID, and the latest is about children and COVID, um, first check the byline of the reporter and see. I, I mean, I think it's really interesting. It's really interesting. Do they have a science background? Do they know what they're talking about? Have they lived on the, this earth uh, longer, long enough to have remembered 9-11? Serious questions, I think, you need to ask yourself about the information you're getting from these people because I don't know that they're smarter than you. In most cases, they are not. I was pointing out just yesterday that we were given a inadvertent reprieve. I'm sure it's inadvertent. I can't prove it. An inadvertent reprieve yesterday because it was the first day, so far as I could tell, the first day in a year and a half that the Arizona Republic had no story on COVID except for one op-ed, but not a news story. Well, I don't know if they heard me or if they just returned to type, but today, boy, their front page fixed that. COVID-19 cases soar among kids under 12. New York Times, same thing. This is now the new push. This is now going to be the new panic and the near new fear button. And it's a funny thing. It's a funny thing because for a year and a half, most people who agree with my outlook were talking about the effect of the mitigation strategies on the children and no one gave a damn. No one gave a damn when we were talking about the children and what was happening to them by reversing everything they knew at the snap of a fingers in their social and educational lives. Never mind their after-school lives and programs. Never mind their religious lives. We immediately, in the snap of a fingers, altered that and spoke about what the research says about those things and wrote op-eds about it. I did. I did. Others, too. And we talked about the studies that showed what it means to dramatically physically alter perhaps the most important public feature of a human being, their face. Now do it with eight-year-olds. We talked about studies involving tens of thousands of school-aged children that showed masks were harming them psychologically and behaviorally, even physically, with headaches, problems in concentration, depression, rising substance abuse from the rest of the mitigation strategies. We were talking about all of this about the kids. I was making the point that the odd thing in public policy, the irony to me in public policy, is almost any time 
someone proposes a domestic policy, a law, let's say, or a regulation, it's often done, and you know the refrain in the name of children, so much so that sometimes we mock it because of the kids, because of the children. That's how you do serious public policy. That's who you try to protect, the most vulnerable. That's why we talk about women and children in almost any context of exigency, because we are here to protect the most vulnerable. We'll get to the strong secondarily. We protect the children and women first, children before that, children before that. And what we did in our mitigation strategy nationally, what so many others did nationally in their countries, was protect 70-year-olds by harming children. We did the exact reverse. It's why I said it was the ironic thing. Usually we do things to protect children. We usually don't ask children to sacrifice. And we usually don't sacrifice children to protect the adult. And in this case, the elderly. Or for that matter, the obese. Children can't help being children and elderly can't help being elderly. And some obese people can't help being obese, but a lot can. And no one talks about that or their hospitalization rate with COVID. Why? I guess they have a lobby. I guess they're a protected class, or I guess it just doesn't suit the narrative that there is a contingent of Americans that is not willing to walk in lockstep with what the government tells them. Why would they? I did this the other day. People asked me to repeat it. I wrote it down. You feel free to add to it. Why would it, when I have been saying everything the government has told you, and by government I mean CDC and Anthony Fauci, of everything they have told you about this virus, of everything they have told you, nothing important, zero important, I stand to be corrected if you have one, has held for longer than two months and maybe even a month. Don't change your life, we were told by Anthony Fauci on the last day of February a year ago, only so that we could change it radically. Come to Chinatown. Come to outdoor events, only for us to be told not to. Pets can transmit the virus. Pets can't transmit the virus. Don't wear a mask. Wear a mask. A mask is better than the vaccine. Wear two masks. No vaccine will happen in 2020. Fauci said that three times in one day. We got a vaccine in 2020. Wipe down groceries. Don't bother wiping down groceries. This is more than airborne. Deep clean your offices and physical surfaces. No, it's just airborne. Don't bother. Take my masks off if you're vaccinated. You don't need to wear them. Wear a mask now even if vaccinated. Delta is less lethal, lethal, but more transmissible, likely more lethal. If you're vaccinated, you won't get sick or die. Not true. Thousands have. 60% is herd immunity. Now 80% is. Do you ever have any hush puppies, Chris? I did. I got him at Buster Brown. Was that around when you were a kid? Is it still around? No? Buster Brown shoes? Children's shoe store? No? Be fun sometime to talk about things. Hush puppies are a shoe, yes. 
Yes, it's a casual shoe. I you can Google it. I was about to think it was uh, part of a breakfast. Yeah, a potato dish of some kind or another. That's yeah. exactly it. No, it was a um, it was a casual shoe that uh, if you can picture maybe some guy wearing jeans with bell bottoms in the seventies, like Jimmy Buffett, maybe <laughs> that's the kind of shoe he would wear. And now we have Yeezys. I'm watching people not even now we have barefoot running. Crocs. Crocs. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. It's going to be interesting to see how the media does play. Several of the stories that have uh, been brought to us today. I'll get to Afghanistan and President uh, Biden's call with President Ghani in just a moment. Let me um, clear up one or two or finish one or two points on COVID and uh, the media. I just got done reciting you my own list of things the government has been wrong about. Uh, And it's a list of about uh, 10 things, 12 maybe, 12 things that I think are the most crucial or were the most crucial when we were trying to learn and are still trying to learn about COVID. Here's another thing. Why is the media beating up on Florida? Why is the media beating up on Ron DeSantis so much with regard to COVID? Is their COVID death rate higher than, say, New York's per capita? It is not. New York's is higher. Is their vaccination rate? Listen to this. I didn't know this. I heard this and I researched it and I found it to be true. Get this. 74% of those over age 65, 74% of those over aged 65 in New York are fully vaccinated. 74% in New York over 65 are fully vaccinated, fully vaccinated. Guess what the number is in Florida? 76.6, at almost three percentage points higher than New York. The entire state of Florida have the full vaccination. Greater vaccination rate at the most vulnerable population. Why is the media focusing on Florida? You know darned well why. Same reason they focus on Texas. Same reason they focus on Arizona, same reason they focus on South Dakota, and the same reason they'll focus on California starting on the third week of September when they have a Republican governor. Why do they leave California and COVID alone for now? Democratic governor, as in New York, as in New York City, as in Michigan, all numbers worse than Florida but they bother and beat up on Florida. If only Ron DeSantis were a Democrat, if only he were a Democrat, as if, as if COVID can distinguish between the R and the D. I saw Don Lemon last night say something that I thought would go away the first time I heard it. And the first time I heard it was the week prior And that is that those who refuse to get the vaccine if they get sick should not be admitted to a hospital. There was a story about some Florida doctors saying that last week, and I think the story imploded for a series of different reasons having to do with miscommunication. But when it first came out, I thought this cannot be. No one would seriously think hospitals should not admit people who aren't vaccinated but get sick. But Don Lemon, a major anchor in America, never mind one of the 
three top anchors at CNN said it yesterday. Yesterday. You can come up with your metaphor and your analogy, but the notion that they are the compassionate side should never raise its head again. The notion that they are the reasonable or rational side shall never raise its head again. This is the side that doesn't want us mean testing Social Security and health care benefits. This is the side that would go ape crazy. Can I say bat crazy? I don't know. It would go bat crazy. It's a three-word expression. Bat crazy if someone said hospitals should no longer treat the volitionally overweight. The obese who are so by dint of their own efforts, by dint of their own actions. I, I understand there are there are, are obesity cases that are that are that are not volitional. I get that. This would be the equivalent of a hospital not treating someone who doesn't wear a seatbelt. Is this really? Is this really where Don Lemon wants to go? Because if it is, he's going to be mighty surprised about the disparate impact and racial minorities that hospitals will no longer treat in this country, starting with the unvaccinated who get sick. He's going to be awfully surprised by that as well. People say stupid stuff because they're stupid. Sure. Smart people can say stupid things, too. I don't have a beat well enough to know whether Don Lemon is smart or stupid. I have my... I have my suspicions, but I will tell you this. If an anchor on Fox News said that about any other disease and the volitional way in which someone would acquire that disease, let us call it obesity or lung cancer or lack of wearing a helmet in a motorcycle accident or seatbelt in a car accident or some other, some other action someone didn't take to preserve their well-being, and safety? Is that really the society Don Lemon wants? Or is it just with this disease? And if it's just with this disease, why is it? Why is it? Why is there a silo of everything the left hates that you can imagine in your head who sits in? It starts with white males because he said they were a great threat to the society, and I believe much of society believes that, and it is now the unvaccinated. And if you supported Trump or anyone who supported Trump, you belong in that silo too. How is this possibly the case? Are you trying to tell me first and foremost that these large racial minority subpopulations of the unvaccinated are white evangelical Trump supporters. You know for a fact they are not. You are creating a caricature and making a political meal and at the same time mess of a virus. You know what? You're trying to create a new war in America, a new civil war. We don't want your war.
Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. 34 past the hour brings us our dear friend John Dombrowski. He is the president and founder of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. His website is grandcanyonplanning.com. And he has his own radio show here at uh, 960 AM every Saturday morning at 7. The word on wealth. What's the word today, John? Hey, the word is jobs. Uh, I don't know if you saw the uh, private payrolls. A report that came out today. Yes, yes, yes. A little under the estimate, right? Well, no, not not just a little. It, it was substantially under. You know, private payrolls they said rose by three hundred seventy-four thousand for the month, but okay. well below Dow Jones estimate of six hundred thousand expected. Um, so pretty much a shortfall. Um, and most of the jobs came from the leisure and hospitality area, which added two hundred one thousand of those jobs. And what's interesting is. That area, of course, leisure and hospitality would be travel, right? right? We're seeing, you know, the cruise lines were opening, airlines were busier. We see hotel reservations were up. But all of a sudden, with the uh, increasing cases uh, of COVID-19, we're starting to see this slow down again. Uh, I think I saw a TSA report. I that, saw uh, that, too, yeah. Right, that travel, you know, the number of people going through the TSA has dropped substantially. To a record low, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, so it's interesting that we saw these jobs were filled in these areas of travel and leisure, and yet now uh, we're seeing less people are traveling. So, um, But the real challenge is most of the new jobs, as I said, came from that area. Unfortunately, the uh, small businesses, this is where there was a little bit of a uh, I think a, dis- a real disappointment was uh, a job growth in small businesses, which are uh, companies with 50 to 500 employees. Only 86,000 positions were filled uh-huh. across the country. And you see those jobs, uh, you know, um, help wanted signs in all of these small businesses. Uh, it's, it's just extremely difficult for companies to hire people right now, Seth. It's, and that's definitely, uh, you know, there's two sides to this. For the stock market, that... That's a little bit of a green light for stocks because that means interest rates are probably going to continue to remain low for some time until we start to see some real traction in um, the resurgence of jobs. John, what's what's um, what's upsetting to me about these kinds of things is I know that there's going to be a push to create spending and I know there's going to be a push to create more ha- uh, bailouts. And more benefits uh, to get us and bridge through these kinds of things. But the problem I have is that so much of this is self-imposed. We wouldn't have these problems. And not every state does have these problems, if not for the decisions of certain elected officials. Uh, Uh, These are avoidable problems. Yeah, and, 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 you know, I would say this, Seth, for anyone out there who wants to work right now, most people who are in you know, the, the basic population of, of jobs out there, whether it's a restaurant industry or even clerical work, whatever it might be, if you want to work, I would uh, probably guess, a uh, pretty educated guess, that you could go back to work and make more now than you were making before the pandemic. People are signing bonuses to get people to come back to work. They're paying higher hourly rates. Uh, so if, if you truly want to work out there, 
uh, you can. So if there's all these people that are not working, I would probably believe some of them don't want to work because they are getting some type of subsidies right now. No, I, th- I, think, I think that's been a major problem. And there is kind of an interesting study that also just came out. I don't know if you saw it in the Wall Street Journal, I think is where I saw it. States that cut unemployment benefits saw limited impact. Right. On job growth. That's one negative way to say it. Another way to say it is states that uh, didn't cut benefits saw no increase in job growth either. And that's, that's there you go. It's that subsidy that people are receiving. I'm saying not everybody's in that position, of right. course, but there are some people out there that, that certainly uh, are able to stay home and get paid, as we've known. We've been talking about this for quite some time. And if I understand your concern is with all of these uh, new. Uh, the new legislation out there, yeah. uh, is this going to just prolong again the recovery by bringing more benefits Well, I to always worry about prolong. Yes, it. I'm always you know, worried about that. When we come to bailouts, I wonder about whether we're hitting the natural bottoms that an economy needs to hit to fix. I was talking to someone just today. Uh, they, their earned income is above $200,000 a year. They're getting uh, a tax credit for, for the children they yeah. have. And he's thinking, why am I getting a tax credit? Exactly. But yet I'm getting it. He goes, I'm not going to turn it away, but I mean, why am I getting it? And I think because of the bureaucracy, Seth, it is just easier to pay everybody. I know, but you know what, John? We could have spent a week figuring this out. This would not have taken more than a week for these federal bureaucrats or for goodness sake, you and me, we could have done it in 48 hours figuring out how to stagger. And stage this thing. Anyway, well, it's easier to throw money at it when it's not your money. I got you to, you got to do your thing here, buddy. Sorry. Securities and advisory services offered to Client One Securities LLC, a member of Finran Sipikin, investment advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Client One Securities LLC are not affiliated. You never Thank miss you it. Thank you so much. Love you. Oh, we lost one of the ZZ Top boys, didn't we? Did. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960. Michael's in Goodyear. Hello, Michael. Hi, Seth. How are you? I'm doing just fine, sir. How about yourself? I'm very well, thank you. Good. Um, again, thank you for everything you're doing. It's not um, much, but thank you. Here's what I do. I get mad in the morning, and I seethe until 3, in which case I can express it. That's what, that's I, I, That's how I, I, I work. <laughs> well, I, I don't think you give yourself enough credit. Oh, but, you're sweet. Thank anyway, you, Michael. You mentioned you, you mentioned the other day about uh, you saw the uh, the roundtable with Bill Maher and, and others. Caddy, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, Caddy K, Bill Maher, and good listening on your part, Michael. Right, and Ralph Reed. Yes. Yeah, and and you were impressed that you know Bill Maher struck you as being maybe the last liberal. Uh, I add him to the category of only three others that I know of. I'm looking for more, but those three others would be Joe Lieberman, Jonathan Turley, and Alan Dershowitz. Exactly, and Alan's been on on your show. Yes, yes, yes. He's always he's always fair and amazing, and and I, I like him. Well, he tells well, you when he disagrees with you. And he invites you to have that argument or stay on the topic, for one thing. Exactly. So he understands yeah. this. <laughs> he understands what discussion means. And he thinks well, you have a damn good right to say it, you know? Exactly. Uh, anyway, exactly. go ahead. Anyway, sorry. But um, did you see Bill Maher when he was on the, uh, the Colbert show? Talking about um, no. the uh, no. Corona origins. No, uh, no, but are, are you thinking of John Stewart? 
was it John Stewart? It was John Stewart. I, I, yeah, I think okay. you might be thinking of John Stewart. Yeah, and John Stewart was was scoffing at the idea yeah. that that it came from bats. Exactly. And he said he he said that, you know, yes, of course it came from the Wuhan lab and and everything else and and it struck me uh what struck me was how uh Colbert was beginning to lose his audience as he was losing his argument and he he basically had to had to mock John Stewart over what he was saying to to regain his footing and it it, it was really telling that that's how the left is that even one of their own if they stray off the plantation they're they're going to get ostracized just as bad as anybody else yeah 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 did you by chance watch um the the Bill Maher show I was mentioning the Bill Maher, Caddy Kay, and Ralph Reed of last Friday. Uh, I did not. I missed it, but I. I you don't have to. I, I I wouldn't instruct you. There's about twenty things I would have you look at first. But but my my if you are interested or inclined, my my point was it was the most reasonable and in some respects sophistic in all respects sophisticated political discussion I have seen in months, if not years. Between, you know, a very established and in this case, obviously evangelical conservative in Ralph Reed, a, uh, a correspondent from the BBC and Caddy Kay, who has been the darling of NBC and Bill Maher, who is who is if he's at least a liberal, he's given a million dollars to the Democratic Party, literally, truly, he has. Yeah. Um, that's no exaggeration. He bragged about it once. Um and and these and three right. respected each right. other and listened and conceded points and let each other finish, and I just you know why why does it why why does it take Bill Maher to do that now why does it take a comedian to get that done in this country? Well, exactly that's that's how I feel too because you won't get that kind of debate uh, anywhere else. In fact, and I am surprised that that sort of a debate would go on 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 that show. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, the if 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 you watch the View, I mean, every conservative that ever has the iron to go on that show can expect to be, you know, attacked from all sides. Well, here's what I've not yet understood, and I don't know if if you or someone else has an explanation, uh, but. <sighs> CNN and MSNBC and a lot of people actually in the journalism profession like to like to make fun of Fox and particularly make fun of it and its higher numbers than their own shows. Instead of making fun of it, why not kind of do what Fox figured out, which is appeal to something more than just your initial base in this country? Fox figured out, Roger Ailes figured out, Rupert Murdoch, Rupert Murdoch figured out that in a country of 50, you know, 30-30-30 or 50-50, may, maybe there's room for another point of view that people will want to watch. To that end, Fox addresses that in its day part. And all during the day, Fox Fox is is you know, it's it's distinguishable from CNN but not by much. Not by much. No, it's not. I mean, they have their their share of. It's distinguish. I, I think it's distinguishable in the sense of the stories they choose. 
But it's no real partisan fest during the day. But CNN yeah. and MSNBC is a hundred and one percent partisan festival twenty four seven. Well, oh, absolutely, and and like I said, I mean, Fox has their share of liberals that that do not hide their liberal no, viewpoint. No, they sure don't. Yeah. They sure don't, yeah. and they and they and they are given attention, and they are given um, they are given time, they are given air. But my only my only point is, how can you consider yourself a news network? And it's in the name if you're CNC. CNN. Um, mm-hmm. How do you consider yourself a news network when you truly are involved in what I would call propaganda, but what fair-minded, other fair-minded people might call ideologically bent? I mean, they have an ideological bent. It's just it's 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 palpable, and it's noticeable, and it turns off a large part of this country. You and don't have to do why, that unless you're committed, but that's what they are. They're committed to it. They believe well, in they're, it. They're so committed, they, they, they would still do the same programming with, with a zero audience. That's how committed they are. They wouldn't care if they had no viewers at all as long as they could continue their, their agenda or, or their programming, their liberal bend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I honestly don't believe they, they care about ratings at all yeah yeah they don't they don't they are big companies that can afford what we call loss leaders and if it can serve the agenda and if it can serve the state uh then they're fine to then then they're happy then everyone is happy you know there's no such thing as fake news anymore there's no war against the media uh we learn what fake news and wars against the media really are fake news would be something like the President of the United States guaranteeing that we'll get every American civilian out and not doing it. That would be an example of fake news. You don't cover it on CNN. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. Um, There's no more fake news. The war against the media, most of us would think, would include uh, hanging journalists from helicopters. But if CNN doesn't cover it, it doesn't happen. And so the only war against the media is Donald Trump's against CNN, and the only fake news is Donald Trump, and yet we know better. We know better. Our task, then, is to make those who watch CNN understand what we understand. That is our task. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, 602-508-0960. David Schweiker coming up shortly. Rick's in Phoenix. Hi, Rick. There, Seth, my friend. How are you today? Oh, man, I'm doing just fine. It's good to hear your voice. You're, well, thank you very much. It's great to hear your voice every day of the week. Can I expose <laughs> Can I expose hey. to the audience what you did, or do you want me to hold it back? No, you can... You can go uh, ahead. Rick, 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 Rick gave me a, a very a, just a wonderful art gift of artistry, and it, and it means a ton to me. Thank you, Rick. Again, thank you. Well, you are very welcome. And of course, uh, I was not the artist. Yeah. I just uh, you commissioned the work and told them what to do, and it's right beautiful and heartwarming. Thank you for it. So keep saving the world, brother. Well, <laughs> the picture of Dagny, the Wonder Dog, on it is, or the uh, <laughs> the depiction of it is my favorite part. So thank yeah. you. Thank you. <laughs> Well, I just uh, I'm I'm that'll glad. that that'll, that'll be on my gravestone. You know, I'm, when he, I'm, when I'm he, glad he, he took care of his dog. You know, <laughs> that's, that's, 
that's fun. I'm glad you enjoyed it and glad Thank it you. inspires you. Thank you. What's up, boss? Hey, Seth. Uh, terrific monologue and opening segment today, and it just reminds reminded me. Uh, I've been thinking about this for uh, quite a while because a lot of your monologue and discussions and everything have have kind of uh, hit on this point. But you remember the old cartoon in which I think it was Daffy Duck said, of course you know this means war. Yes, yes. You know, right. you know, as, a, as, a, as a five or ten-year-old, that was just a, a laugh yeah, to me. sure. But as a 66-year-old, I'm beginning to think maybe there is a deeper meaning and more significance behind that. Okay. And what I mean by this is this. You mentioned, I think at the end of your first segment, you know, we don't want to be at war. I don't and, want and, their war. Yeah, we're yeah, not interested nobody in it. Wa- right. Nobody wants to go to war. No, you know, nobody wants to go to war. But in the words of President Lincoln, the war, the came. war has been thrust yep. upon us. Yep, the war it came. Been, you bet. It has been thrust upon yep. us. And the bottom line is we're going to have to recognize and call it out. And you, you did that in your first segment today, and you do that regularly. We call it out. Look, we are at war. You, you know, the, the the left calls us deplorables. Now, now that's that's war. You know. Wait till I'm, we get to the issue of enemy of the state. I have a lot to yeah. say about that today. When Nancy Pelosi called us and the president the enemy of the state. You remember that? That's one? exactly. Yeah, exactly the kind of thing I'm talking about. Yeah, I have more Great. to say about that, to, uh, and I'll do it today. It's been on Great. my mind. Great show, brother. Well, thank you. Thank, thank you, Seth. Appreciate it. Don't go away, folks. David Schweiker coming right up. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.